We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Good to be with you today on the program, AFA at The Core. I'm Walker Wildman. Busy uh, news day, a little bit busier than last night uh, at the uh, slow, slow counting of ballots, but we'll get into that. Uh, We are uh, live streaming the video now over at streaming.afa.net streaming.afa.net. That's where we have the video up for you. And uh, we've also got the audio only available on the AFR app and on the American Family Radio website, afr.net, afr.net. So we've got audio video up there for you. Uh, We also are on the AFA at the Core Facebook page, live streaming the video each weekday. So we got multiple options for you to keep up with the program. Well, uh, we were here very late last night. We were here till about 11 p.m. Central. And uh, we got some results last night, but just not many in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's a little better today, but there's still some things outstanding that we don't know about. So we're going to try to break that all down for you uh, through the first and the second segment. We'll have on Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life of America. We'll have her on in the last segment to talk about the life movement, how that did on the ballot uh, yesterday evening, and um, what we can look forward to moving forward, what our marching orders are, those who stand for the innocent lives of babies. We'll talk with Kristen Hawkins about that in the last segment of the show today. Uh, we will take your calls next segment, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. I want to get your, your opinion, your feedback on uh, this election, election 2022, how yesterday went, how things are still going in various states. I want to get your feedback, your opinion, uh, your overall analysis of uh, this election cycle that took place yesterday and is still going on in various states. 888 Jumping into uh, scripture, let me just... Um, I was in Psalm chapter 47 earlier this week. Let, let's go to Romans chapter 1, because I think this is going to set the stage for our discussion today. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Paul here is writing to the church, the saints in Rome, the church in Rome. Paul is writing to them. Let's listen to the Apostle Paul and what he had to say uh, to the people of Rome Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Uh, wrapping up here, last few verses in uh, Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the discerning of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Goes on to say in verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to their dishonorable passions. Women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature. Men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error, goes on continuing. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliceness. They are gossip, slanderers. Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, etc., etc. That's Romans chapter 1. Now convince me that doesn't sound like America 2022. Convince me that, 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 Roman, that we're not living in a Romans 1 type society. You can't do it. You can't with a straight face tell me we're not living in a Romans 1 society type society. And so that's really where we have to start. And and look, we could go a hundred different ways today, and you could come up with a hundred different excuses as to why people who are friendly to biblical values, people who are friendly to conservative values, did not really bode well um, around the nation last night. I'm speaking generally here. That's because that's a direct result of the moral state of America. America is in a very bad place morally, spiritually, biblically. We're in a very bad spot. And so that, that being the, the, the truth, that being the assessment, Do we really expect long-term governmental civic change without underlying moral and spiritual change? And the answer is we should not. We should not expect long-term, lasting, societal, cultural, governmental change without an underlying spiritual change, renewal, revival, repentance uh, in the hearts of man across this nation. And so we're simply experiencing the moral state of America being displayed uh, through our electoral uh, process. That's what you're seeing uh, this week. And so that's, that's kind of where we need to start. We need to remember uh, the moral state of our nation, the darkness that is within it. Um, I mean, I mean we're, we're talking, folks, uh, when, you, when you have ballot initiatives— that are trying to codify the slaughter of babies from zero weeks to 40 weeks, we got a problem. 
And that's what happened in Michigan through Proposition 3. Proposition 3 was upheld. Babies can now be murdered from zero weeks to 40 weeks. And there's some debate about them possibly being able to be murdered outside the womb, according to the way the statute reads. Same thing in other states. So, so when that's our starting point, is trying to make sure that we don't kill the babies, we're not in a good place. We're not in a good place. And of course, this is not applicable to the entire nation, all right? There are pockets of righteousness. There are par- pockets of sanity. There are pockets of people who still have moral values, who still believe in God, who still believe that, you know, we should murder babies. And so this is not a blanket assessment, a blanket analysis of the entire country and every state and every city and every county. But the fact that entire states are dealing with this is a problem. And so we have that. That leads uh, off or our, 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 that sets up the context of yesterday. Then let's talk about other issues. All right. Other issues are a voting process. By the way, if you want to call in, we'll take your calls uh, during the next segment in just about five or six minutes. 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. Our, our voting process, practically speaking, is an utter disaster. It's an utter de- embarrassment. The fact that states st- are still counting ballots Processing ballots is an utter embarrassment, incompetence to the utmost degree, and there's no excuse for it. There's literally no excuse. You, you, well, well, you know, it's just a lot of ballots, Walker. Well, you know, it's just a lot of ballots, a lot of processing. We're limited on our on our resources. No, 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 no. No, if we can send $100 billion to Ukraine, we can invest a couple billion and, and make our elections go a little quicker. All right, the printing press ain't the problem. Resources ain't the problem. We always got money for other things. Why can't we have money to have secure, safe, fast election results? The reality is it's not a priority. It's not a priority. So so our, our electoral and elections process is an utter embarrassment to the world. Africa processes elections faster than we do. Brazil, they processed their election in an hour after the polls closed a couple weeks ago. So, so that this is this is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment that <laughs> Georgia, Georgia hasn't even finished counting. Georgia, they closed their polls like sixteen hours ago or something like that. They closed their polls yesterday evening, like at dinner time. And they're still counting fat ballots. And and we got the computers, so we can't say, well, we've got to hand count them and we got to do a hand recount and we got millions to go through. No, you got the computer tabulators. That's the whole case for the computers, right? It makes things go faster, Walker. We got to have the computer tabulators. <laughs> so we got computers and we still can't count our ballots in a timely manner. So that's an utter embarrassment. And until that changes, not much else is going to change. No reason to count ballots past election night, election night, everything should be counted on election night before midnight. No excuses. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, Florida's, Florida set the stage. 
Florida has given all other states no excuses. Two hours after the polls closed, uh, Florida had 90-plus percent of their, of their results in. There's no question about who won Florida. In every district all around the state, Florida's results are in. They've closed the books. The election's over. We're moving on. Uh, every state should do that. On Florida, another thing we can take away from this, if you will, is that uh, uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida just slammed on the Democrat there. I mean, it was a slam dunk. There's no questions about, um, you know, who won Florida or was it close or is Florida still a battleground state? No, Florida was a slam dunk uh, for Governor DeSantis. He won Florida by 1.5 million votes. And the reason I bring this up, I bring this up to directly combat the, the narrative that that the culture war is not is not smart politically. That taking taking on social issues and the culture war is not good for politics. It's not good for Republicans. That's a, that's a hoax. That's not true. There's no data that backs that up. To the to the contrary, Governor DeSantis embraced the culture war. He embraced the the, the war on critical race theory. He's battled the wokeness. He's gone after the LGBTQXYZ insanity. He's battled the COVID hysteria. He's kept Florida open. He's busing the illegal immigrants to New York State. And he's doing everything that the, the, the career politicians in Washington, including the McConnells of the world, the McCarthy's of the world, said, oh, no, no, we can't do that. That's going to turn off independent voters. We can't do that. The culture wars, that's where it's at, so to speak. All right, so Governor DeSantis debunked the narrative that we can't embrace the culture wars. And Dr. Oz further proved that electing or voting, putting people on the ballot that really don't believe in the Republican Party platform is not a good idea. Dr. Oz is not a genuine, lifelong conservative Republican. The dude's a television star. And they just decided he would be good to run for the U.S. Senate on the Republican ticket. There's nothing about him at Oz that's a Republican. He's less Republican than Trump was when Trump ran as a Republican. And that's one of the reasons he lost in Pennsylvania. He had no lasting credibility in Pennsylvania for fighting for conservative values. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. What are gates? They are defensive tools used to keep stuff out, to keep an advancing force at bay. Too often, the enemy is successful in putting Christians on defense. When the facts are, the Lord established his church as an aggressive, offensive, territory-taking body. The Lord never meant for us to sit on the sidelines of life or to cower in the corner as a result of the wickedness in our culture. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light of the world cannot be contained. The Lord is building his church, and the manby-pamby gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. I'm just so poured out, I've got nothing left. If your girl ever says these words, pay attention. Her heart aches for deep Sabbath rest. Rest and relaxation is not just for the body, it's for the soul. Our culture admittedly doesn't practice the rhythm of Sabbath well, but God commanded a Sabbath day for His people. So what gives? God spoke His creation into existence in six days, and on the seventh, the Bible says He rested. If God rested, your girl is for sure in need of a break. Institute a fully tech or screen-free Sabbath day in your family with a slower-paced breakfast and hearts poured into full worship together. Save the rest of the day for reflection and gratitude to the Lord. Remember, your girl was made for this. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply just don't like how it works, well, right now, during open enrollment is a perfect time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the industry. That's double. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for 30 years. It's shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. And here's why now is the perfect time to make the switch. If you join MediShare Complete by January 1st, they will waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off your first year. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month for all of next year. But again, it's a limited time offer. So yeah, you're not stuck. You've got a great option. Call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. We're going to set aside this segment to take your calls, get your feedback, your commentary on uh, the results, or in many cases, the lack thereof yesterday evening. 888-589-8840, Under no circumstance did our founding fathers want our nation to have election week or election month. Under every circumstance did our founding fathers expect to have election day. And the fact that we take days and weeks to count ballots is absolutely absurd. As I've said before, I'll say it again, we're sending, the U.S. is sending a rocket to space every week, or sometimes multiple. We've got driverless cars, although the technology's still far from being there. We're making energy, although not efficiently, out of the sun through solar panels. We've got artificial intelligence, and we've got computers that can solve high-level problems in a matter of seconds. But we can't count ballots. But we can't count ballots. All right, so, so that is the context. All right, This is not the 1700s. This is 2022. The fact that anyone should settle for less than having all the results on election night is an embarrassment and a lack of expectations. And I get it. Sometimes you got runoffs. Sometimes 
things don't work out as planned, but I'm talking about the vast majority of the nation should have election results on election night. No excuses, full stop. Um, an interesting exit poll number, which, and then I'm going to get to to Danny in uh, Oklahoma, but an interesting exit poll number from CBS News that really throws me for a loop on what happened last night or what didn't happen and what the exit polls said. Listen to this. When questioned, when voters were questioned, how do you feel about the way things are going in the country? 73% said they are dissatisfied or angry. And and the context is a Biden White House and a Democrat-controlled Congress. 73% said they're dissatisfied or angry. Why did that not translate down ballot? Or did it in some areas? Uh, we're still finding that out, but it's definitely there's definitely a disconnect uh, somewhere down the line. We'll go to Danny in Oklahoma. Hey, uh, Danny, welcome to AFA at the Core. Oh, thank you, Walker. Listen to you often, and I agree with what you're saying. You know, the uh, the last several federal elections. Uh, you know, isn't it awfully convenient that it's the same states? that can't seem to get their act together and have the votes counted, you know, say by midnight, if not in the wee hours of the morning. Um, I just don't think that's an action. Here's a textbook example. Ohio has been considered, as you know, a swing state for many years, yet they've got their act together. They've got all their votes, whether they're um, mail-in balance or absentee, they they would have the same issues, but they they get them all counted, don't they? Mm-hmm. And and they declare a winner, unless it's just too close to call, kind of like you know with what we have going on in Georgia. So, if if the if the vast majority of the states in our country can count all the votes, whether it's same day or other, what's going on in Pennsylvania and some of these other states are that. Uh, I guess they have it rigged to where, okay, well, this is going to be the difference as far as how the balance of, you know, is tilted in the, you know, Washington, D.C. So we got to have a few states that, that can play dumb and, as you say, have, uh, you know, uh, you know, counting votes for a week or a month. So it just looks suspicious to me. You know, they've had two years. They've had four years to get their act together, and, and I don't think it's an accident. You're right. Yeah, I agree, Danny. I don't think it's an accident. I think it's intentional. They are intentionally refusing to address the problem of 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 a failure of an election process, of an electoral process. Uh, absolutely intentional. Could be fixed if they had the will, uh, but they choose not to. And, uh, and and to your point, Danny, and I'll go ahead and let you go. But to your point, Danny, um, this leaves. This leaves no room for confidence and all room for speculation. If you want to dispel the myths or the theories, if you will, um, that there's shady things going on with our elections and you guys are pulling up, you know, uh, trucks full of ballots at midnight in Detroit or in Philadelphia that are half of them are illegal ballots. If you want to dispel those theories Then count the ballots on election day and close the books. Don't don't be finding uh, trucks full of ballots a week later. Count the ballots on election night, announce the results, close the books. If there's any complaints, they can be had. 
but at least we have results. At least we have uh, results. So yeah, they're they're not helping themselves. They 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 want to they want to say, oh, we got election deniers. We got election deniers. Well, folks, don't give us a reason to raise questions. Make the election so up up to par. Make it so smooth. Make it so transparent, so expedited that there's no really excuses people can make. There's no theories people can float, no plausible ones at least, uh, that withstand any type of of muster. Uh, moving to Arkansas, uh, we're going to talk to Brian. Hey, Brian, welcome to the court. Hey, Walker, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, Brian, what's on your mind in Arkansas? Well, I was listening to you. First off, I agree completely on the counting of the election votes and results. They should be by midnight, like you said, 11.59.59, we should know, as a, by far and large. The other thing I wanted to comment was on, uh, I think you made a comment earlier about the number of Christians, the voters in this country, um, not standing up and voting, basically, like we should, I guess. And when I think about that, I know that there are a number of churches that we believe operate under the guise of Christianity and uh, supposedly should be sharing the gospel message in its entirety, but do not. And so they are not Christian churches that we would expect to be voting with Christian ideals and principles either, those followers of those false teachers and prophets. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Brian. I mean, that that's the only way to, to explain it is we've got uh, you poll the number of people who raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then you translate that to our moral and cultural dec- decay. There is there is something's out of touch. Something's not adding up. If if all the people who raised their hand and said, yep, I'm a Christian would go to the ballot box and vote for people who share their values or who are friendly to their values. um. Uh, this would be an entirely different outcome. But you're right, Brian. There's a lot of people that raise their hand. They say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But when it comes to putting, uh, you know, teeth to it or putting their feet to the ground, uh, they're nowhere to be found or sometimes they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. I appreciate the call there, uh, Brian. Um, let's see. Um, let's go to Ron in uh, the state of Tennessee, just north of us here. Hey, Ron, welcome to the core. What's on your mind? Uh, thank you, Walker. First of all, I wanted to start off with uh, a good note, uh, uh, celebrating the success of the brilliant and godly woman Sarah Sanders in Arkansas. Yes, that's and, right. Uh, for all she's done for this country, uh, thank you. And uh, the, the second thing I wanted to mention is uh, I work in the bank a long time ago. I learned early on that if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. So getting away from the written record is a disaster. And Trump warned us that we're never going to have another fair election again because he was briefed on this, that there's a dynamic layer in the electronic voting system that even if you log a yes, it can be switched to a no via remote login. And this was all exposed in the last uh, uh, national election. I don't understand how people can be uh, deceived into thinking that uh, some elections were won or lost in, in a way that uh, towards those enemies of the gospel, those enemies of uh, a legitimate currency and legitimate laws, that they're, they're tricked into thinking that some of these elections were lost. There should have been, uh, like they say, a red tide going on that would sweep out all of this uh, 
well, a lot of this corruption, you can get rid of everything all yeah. at once. Yeah. But um, this dynamic layer is the problem in the voting machines. I'm not going to throw out the names. We know who is doing this. You know through a little uh, research what and how these things have been manipulated. But to have the polls being able to be remotely logged in, switched around, or in some cases having the, so- the software that's on the machine um, remotely, uh, you, it'll tabulate a yes, and then it can reflect a no, but when you log in for a reporting, then the reporting function disables the actual record and counts any way you want it to. Mm-hmm. So getting away from the written record is a serious problem. Yeah. And I'm wondering what's going to happen in the national elections. There should have been a voting referendum against everything that's happened from the COVID, from the taxation, from the currency. This is why I left California. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're on to something, Ron. And and to your point about uh, ditching the paper ballots, um, at least not the traceable paper ballots, you know, that that's a major problem. And, and I've been of the mindset, call me simple, whatever you want to call me, but um, my name and, and state ID needs to follow my ballot. You know, the way it goes now in, in, in some areas is you slide, um, you slide your ballot in the scanner um, without your name being on it. All right. So, so we don't know my ballot. My name doesn't go with my ballot. So when, when the election worker on the other side of the scanner picks up that ballot, they, have, they don't know from Adam whose ballot that is. And some say, well, that's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing. I think our state ID number, we've all got a, we've got, got a government-issued ID. I got my driver's license in my back pocket. I got to have it to go vote, which is a good thing. But I need to be forced to write my driver's license ID on the bottom of my ballot in a field so that down the road, down the stream, down the chain of custody, that ballot can be pulled up. It can be verified that I'm the voter that filled out uh, the ballot. Um IDs and, and state-issued ID numbers should follow those ballots throughout the entire uh, chain of custody. There should be no question about whose ballot is whose ballot. Uh, our state IDs should follow the ballot. Then you run those IDs um, up against um, uh, all the other ballots and make sure people aren't voting twice. It's, it's pretty pretty layman-level uh, stuff, pretty simple stuff that probably a couple of college students could figure out. Uh, but we're overcomplicating this or we're oversimplifying it and not using enough uh, verification features. We'll go to uh, Sammy in Tennessee, another call in Tennessee. Sammy, welcome to the court. Yes, sir. I, I, I love AFR. Uh, I just would ask that uh, uh, on-air prayer would be considered as part of each program on the network. Our God is big enough to handle all this. Uh, regardless of whether the election was yesterday or any future election. We just uh, need to depend on him. The scripture says we have not uh, because we ask not. Mm. Yeah, you're right, Sammy. Uh, prayer needs to be part of all of our lives, and not just around election season, but around every season. Prayer needs to be a part of all of our lives. I know we pray on occasion here on the core. Uh, we have uh, entire shows that are devoted just to prayer here on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, so very good point, Sammy. Appreciate the call from uh, Tennessee. Uh, we'll go over to the Lone Star State and uh, talk to Dennis. Uh, Dennis in Texas, what's on your mind, man? First of all, thank you for everything you're doing. 
I totally agree with everything you said, but I will say one thing about Ron DeSantis that really threw me for a loop. When in April he voted for, I don't know, voted, but signed a deal uh, agreeing to 15 weeks or something like that for abortion, I would, that made me cringe. Hmm. Yeah, you t- uh, so you're saying Governor DeSantis in Florida signed a 15-week abortion ban? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, the Dennis, the 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 yeah, the the context there is that the um, Florida Florida reduced the number of abortions by limiting who can have an abortion. Uh, but to your point, the the standard, if you will, uh, the bar is that there should be no abortions, no babies should be murdered, uh, no babies should be slaughtered, uh, and that's what was litigated before the Supreme Court uh, when Roe v. Wade. Uh, was overturned. So, so to your point, states now have the ability, the legal ability, the legal uh, right, if you will, uh, to completely outlaw abortion. And many states are doing that. I think over a dozen states have done that. Um, so maybe more will continue. Uh, moving to, appreciate the call, Dennis. Uh, we'll go up to, um, let's see, let's go to Jesse in Tennessee. Uh, Jesse, welcome to the core. Yeah, thank you for taking the call. Um, I just wanted to say um, uh, the previous caller from California, um, he, he's right on the money on that. You can go on um, Truth Social to look up Project Veritas Action. Yesterday they caught them in the act admitting to cheating using the software out there. And whatever state you're in, I've been a poll official before, everybody should demand a paper ballot. And if they give you any problems with that, uh, everybody's got a cell phone. We should call the law, have them on the premises, have everything documented so that it holds up in, in the courts. But there is no way in this nation that uh, the Democrats won like they did. They are cheating. They are cheating. They are cheating. And they, mm. they just are. And faith without works is dead. So, uh, yes, the church needs to rise up and, um, you know, do what's godly and do what's right. And yeah and uh, pray and go out there and do that. But Project Veritas, you can, um, if you've seen anything sketchy or uh, fraudulent, you can thank, contact hey, thank, them Thanks, Jesse. Sorry, we're, yeah, yes. we're, we're coming up on a hard break, Jesse. Thanks for the call. Yes, Project Veritas does excellent work. We've aired their videos here, covered their reports, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, the question of whether there's fraud, there is fraud. How wide is it? How widespread is it? We'll find out. Uh, but definitely something that needs to be kept an eye on in our elections can always be more secure. That's a fact. Be back in a few. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. So they asked me to enter my email address. And the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts 
One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship and you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Please, in this season of giving, pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. sendbiblesnow.org. Org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. the core American Family Radio I'm Walker Wildman it's Worship Wednesday and that scripture there is um, from the um, 
Pat Barrett. It's the name of the artist there. Act Justly, Love Mercy, Walk Humbly. And uh, that song, that worship there is rooted in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, verse 8 there. I do want to introduce our next guest. We have with us Kristen Hawkins. She's president of Students for Life of America, the largest uh, a pro, one of the largest pro-life organizations in the country, uh, leading the charge for little babies in the womb and outside the womb as well. Uh, Kristen, welcome to AFA at the Core. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Kristen, before we jump into uh, the latest of the on the life movement, tell our audience a little bit about the work of Students for Life. Sure, Students for Life of America is the nation's and the world's largest pro-life youth organization. We go right where the abortion industry targets on college and high school campuses and on computers, and we have conversations with young people that result in minds changed and activation into the pro-life generation. We're going to have a million conversations this year with Gen Z and Gen Y on campuses on and on the computers. Mm. What's uh what's it been like going to college campuses? I mean, they get uh, they get uh-huh. framed as very hostile environments, and in many cases they are. But sure. how are students receiving the life message? Sure. Well, we knew after the reversal of Roe vs. Wade, things were going to heat up on campuses, and we've certainly seen that. And our abortion is not a right tour touring hundreds of campuses this semester. We've seen an increase in vandalism and death threats and rape threats that our students face. You know, I'm going to Clemson next week where there's a fairly large protest of my presence, my mere presence on campus. Um, just just being there is already planned. Um, so we've definitely started to see, you know, increase in threats and, and things like that. But what I, what I also have noticed is our minds changed rate. The fact that we're changing 10% of the young people we engage with in person, their minds on abortion, that number has not changed from last year. In fact, this this moment that we're in right now with the biggest political upset in our, you know, in our lifetime with the reversal of versus Wade, abortion is top of mind. Folks are talking about, they're discussing abortion. And anytime that happens, that's fundamentally a good thing because we know truth is on our side. Science is on our side with this issue. Um, and I think that that's really, I think, the key takeaway for our work that we're seeing on campuses and, and really the motivation for so many of our student groups to persevere in the midst of challenges that they face, whether it's, you know, discrimination challenges from their own administration or teachers or, or threats of violence and vandalism um, from their peers. You know, Kristen, one thing that, uh, and I appreciate Students for Life for holding the line on this, but one thing I get I get frustrated at is is the squishiness of some conservatives, some people who call themselves Christians, mm-hmm. some Republicans on this issue. Yeah. And for example, after Roe, uh, after Roe was overturned, many of the, the the pollsters and the political pundits said, you know, Republicans yeah. need to ease off this issue. They don't need to embrace the life issue. They need to back off, be a little more quote unquote moderate. Uh, but Kristen, this yeah. is this is not what our tax rate's going to be. This is uh, whether babies get to live or not. Right. This is key. That's right. Not only is it the right thing to do, it's the politically appropriate thing to do. 
you know, what we saw last night in state house races across the country and even in Senate races is the candidates who are unafraid, the Republican candidates who are unafraid to proudly proclaim their pro-life beliefs, to get their opponent uh, on the defense, to have to justify their abortion in every single circumstance up until the moment of birth, taxpayer-funded uh, position, which is out of touch with eight to nine percent. 80 to 90 percent of Americans, candidates who did that thrived. They won. It was those who ran away from their issue, from this issue, who wanted to be squeamish about this issue. Um, and I think what last night even taught us is that now is the time for our elect officials to be bold and to be unafraid because, like, it's not, it's the right thing to do, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, we got to keep pushing that message. We got to be unafraid and we we can't be flinching uh when the pressure hits because uh this is a very tense issue i mean people are very opinionated on it yep. uh they're very vocal and uh in some cases we're seeing very violent so we got to hold the line we can't back off when there's pressure uh to your point it's the right thing to do hey Kristen, thanks so much for coming on you guys are doing great work over at students for life and i've been to a couple of your conferences your national conference and uh, we love love what you guys do thanks for coming on the show yeah. All right. That's uh, Kristen Hawkins. She's president of Students for Life of America, one of the largest or the largest youth pro-life organizations in the world. Uh, they are holding the line, uh, a Christian organization doing excellent work, very effective work uh, with America's young people, America's youth. That's uh, Students for Life of America. Um, jumping into or, or kind of back into this whole uh, election topic and and how things went last night, how things are going. Uh, on the Republican side, folks, I, I just, while the media and the polls predicted a red wave, and, and even even Republicans said this is going to be a red wave, um, I will note a couple things. The polls were actually pretty accurate, surprisingly. And, you know, in previous elections, you know, I would just hammer these inaccurate, non-credible polls because they were that in previous cycles. But this go-around, um, for the most part, the polls were actually pretty accurate. They were pretty accurate. The races that were kind of sealed, like the DeSantis race, that was showing that. Uh, races that were a little more a little more tight within the margin of error, um, the polls were showing that for the most part. So really no surprises when you look at the polls and then the actual results. Um, but it, it appears that the Republicans will take back the House of Representatives, even though not by as many as some predicted. And it's still possible for Republicans to take back the Senate. It's still possible. Uh, you have outstanding uh, the Georgia race, uh, which is going to go into a runoff with Warnock and Herschel Walker there. But then you have... Um, the race out in uh, Nevada, and Alexalt, I believe, is is that gentleman's name, and it appears that he's going to pull ahead and win that. Uh, that's on the Senate side, so it, it's still within reach for Republicans to uh, get get back control of the Senate by a vote or two, by a vote probably. Um, but what's what's interesting, and just one thing, there there's some anom anomalies that I'm not saying that. I think number one, we got to be very careful saying definitively elections are stolen. All right, I think we got to be very careful uh, as Christians uh, or anybody to say definitively without 
hardly any, if any, evidence that widespread, that entire elections are completely stolen and illegitimate. That's what the left does. That's what they do in banana republics. we got to be very careful with that, with that language, all right? What we can identify is when illegalities occur, we can identify those and try to quant- uh, uh, quantify them. Uh, by looking at data and 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 statistics, all right. So, just every time a Republican loses, we can't just be throwing around the elections rigged, the elections stolen, because number one, we don't have evidence to show that. Number two, um, how does that help people uh, encourage them to be civically engaged moving forward? If people go to the House thinking that their election doesn't matter, do you think they're going to show up next time? You think they're going to show up next time? So we got to be very careful with that terminology. Um, but when you can, when you can factually point out where illegality and and, and laws are broken, let's do it. Uh, that's what President Trump's legal team did across the nation in the 2020 cycle. Is they went and they found, they did affidavits, they found where there was cheating, and they pointed it out. Now it wasn't always, um, it wasn't always reconciled or brought to justice, but they did their part. They caught it out. They had the receipts, if you will. Um, so that's that's just one one warning, but um, a, a, an anomaly is over in Georgia. Uh, the the spread between um, Herschel Walker running on the Republican tenant, uh, ticket for Senate and Governor Brian Kemp running for the Republican ticket for governor, the vote spread between those two, both Republican candidates, is two hundred thousand votes. All right, Governor Brian Kemp received roughly 2.1 million votes. Herschel Walker, also a Republican for U.S. Senate, received 1.9 million votes in Georgia. So, so track with me on this. What that means, practically speaking, is that 200,000 voters went into the ballot booth or, or the, the poll booth yesterday and they circled in they filled in brian kemp's name and then they went down to the u.s senate race right below it and they skipped it or technically they could have voted for the democrat Two hundred thousand people did that in georgia that's an anomaly that's let me just say very interesting and I'm not saying that there's fraud or that there was any illegality there, but I just found that very interesting. But voters could have done that. Why on earth a voter in Georgia would do that interests me. I would like love to have been in the polling booth and leaned over their shoulder and said, is there a reason you're not voting for the Republican for U.S. Senate and you're skipping that name? Are you voting for the Democrat? I don't know. Just uh, kind of interesting. But um, uh, not everybody does what Walker thinks they should do. So maybe that's what happened. Uh, but that's, that's a very, very interesting anomaly. Over in Arizona, it, it, uh, Carrie Lake and uh, Katie Hobbs are, are neck and neck. They're, it's a tight race over there in uh, Arizona. That still hasn't been called over in Arizona. But they're still, once again, counting votes. Uh, they're still uh, counting votes over in Arizona. It's within under 1% uh, 
uh, is the difference. The difference between Hobbs and Lake for the governor's seat in Arizona is under 1% difference. All right, it's about 0.6% uh, percent, uh, difference between the two candidates there. Thou uh, there it's within a couple thousand votes. And uh, 10,000 the last time I checked, 70% reporting. So they still got 30% of precincts to report. So that's that race is not over yet. That's why the media and others haven't declared that. I read some reports earlier uh, that the remaining precincts are heavily Republican precincts. So it is possible that Carrie Lake could pull the governor's seat off there in Arizona. Um, in uh, As I mentioned, in Georgia, the uh Georgia race is still not called, although many people are saying that's going to go into a runoff. Neither candidate got 50% uh, as of today in uh, Georgia. The um, Pennsylvania was called for Fetterman, uh, Dr. Osby Fetterman. It was called for Fetterman um, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, Wisconsin was called for Ron Johnson earlier today, a U.S. Senator from Wisconsin that was called for Ron Johnson earlier today. And uh, the Pennsylvania, by the way, was a flip for the for the Democrats. The Senate race was a flip for the Democrats. They picked up that seat in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, on the House side, Republicans are up five, but there's a lot of races to be called. Republicans are up five, meaning they've, they've flipped uh, net five seats. Uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives, some of those in pretty key districts. I mean, I was reading today some of these New York seats that were heavily Democrat seats were flipped to Republican in New York. Uh, Zeldin came within three or four points of Hochul in New York. I mean, Democrats still won that uh, for both uh, Schumer in the Senate side and the governor's seat. But the fact that a Republican came within four points of a Democrat statewide in New York that shows, at least to some extent, New Yorkers aren't happy. The uh, conclusion of it all is that uh, we've got a nation that we're supposed to be stewards of as Christians. So we got to keep doing our part. We got to keep being diligent, obedient to God's word, sharing the gospel, discipling believers, raising strong families, contributing to society, and caring for our neighbors. That's our duty. And we shouldn't stop. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.